and then, you know, do something else. Try something else after that. Maybe move something else. So good little exercise. And as we go through tonight, so important, last thing before we let Titus come on and tell us a little bit about himself. Remember, when we our thoughts are so, 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 so very important. Our thoughts really determine our destiny. So if you sow a thought, it creates action in your life. And actions create habits, and habits create your character, and your character creates your destiny. So you're going to follow your thoughts unless you change. You have to change them. You're going to follow them either way, whether they're negatively or positive thoughts. You have to renew your mind and change your thought process. And I think we should always be working to, to change our mindset and do better because I've learned that the more I shed off, the more I get off of me, I'm right to the next thing. This, this has to go to I have to renew this part of my life this part of my mind, get some things off of me, some bondage, some, some pain, some hurt, some unforgiveness um, both ways. So that's what this show about. And I really, after reading this wonderful, wonderful book, and I must say, Titus, I, I thought that it was something a little bit different, but it was more than I ever imagined. Um, it would be as far as inspiring and encouraging and also relating. You find yourself relating to a good number of the inserts, um, other articles, just a good number, the whispers, I guess I should say. You find yourself relating to a number of them. I had such a difficult time picking one to talk about tonight. So, um, because we don't want to give the book away, because it, you need, you should read it. You need to, because there's so many different whispers that are accounted for in this book. So you'll find yourself in, I would say, probably half of them, if not more. So without further ado, Titus, I'd like for you to just kind of come on, say who you are, where you're from, as much as you want um, to start with, because I have questions as well. So just kind of introduce yourself and tell us all about who you are. Well, I'm Titus Broom. I am from Charlotte, North Carolina. I would call myself, I, I would say, some people would say I'm an author, a motivational speaker, um, this and I'm that, but at the end of the day, when it all comes down to it, I'm just a child of God who God has graced with some gifts, and I find myself unwrapping those gifts every single day, some in the area of writing, some in the area of just speaking, some in the area of just motivating people, and at the same time, sometimes just simply listening. I find that's a gift as well, so I'm just tight as wrong. <laughs> all right. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. Um, and let me ask you this: the book. This is your first first book, correct? This is my first book. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Tell me how how this came about. How did you how did you begin to? I guess maybe when did you begin to hear the whispers um, to get you to the point of the book? The funny part is the first thing I ever heard. Um, which coincides with those of you who have seen the cover of the book, which was a storm, a lightning storm. Um, I remember it was like in 2003, 2004, I was just laying on the bed, and um, it was in the midst of a storm, like a, you know, a, a storm outside, and I just heard the things God whispered to me. And that was before I had written anything, any whisper in the book, wasn't even thinking about it. Matter of fact, wasn't even thinking about writing the book. I just thought that, if I ever write a book, I'm going to title it The Things God Whispered to Me. And so 
years had went by. You know, matter of fact, like I said, that was like 2004. So when you go through the years, I would say maybe around about 2011. I thought the book was going to be about the storms I had gone through personally in my life. But then it was like almost like God challenged me and said, you know, that would be easy for you to write about your life. But why I write about the things and the moments in your life where you've seen other people or other just situations in life where, you know, you feel like you heard my voice. And so that was the concept behind each chapter. So I began writing the book based on the moments in life that God speaks because it seems like people will always assume that God speaks when everything is good. But God always also speaks in my what I feel, God always speaks in the midst of a storm. But you have to tune your ears away from the noise of the storm and pay attention to the whisper because God is always speaking. And so that's the thing that motivated me. Like when I was out there selling drugs, God was whispering. When my grandmother was on her deathbed, God was whispering. You know, when my son took his first steps, God was whispering. But it's like you got to look for it. And so that's the, those are the types of things, those couple of scenarios I just gave of what God speaks, and that's what motivated me to write the 23 whispers in the book. Okay. And where? And for those of you, uh, maybe you're just coming in, just, just to make sure that you guys realize, the name of the book is Things God Whispered to Me, and we have Titus Broome, the author, on with us. So you were, we were speaking about the title and how it came about to you. Where were you in your life? Looking back, where were you in your life spiritually, um, and, and I'm asking this because I think so many people, we kind of get caught up and we miss out. We really miss God's grace and mercy and think that if we're not perfect, we cannot talk to God. If we're not living the absolute perfect life. I like what you said, that God speaks in the midst of the storm. And I, for me, I'm kind of like you on that. I hear from God even more. And we should, should even listen more when we feel like we're in a storm because those are times that we really need him even the more. So at where do you feel you were spiritually um, at that time when you when you kind of heard that whisper about things God whispered to me? The funny part about that is I just told somebody recently. There was like um, they basically asked the question this way. They was like, "Oh my God, when you wrote that book, I know you must have been in this place. I mean, everything was good. Your job." No, when when I wrote the book, I was in tons of credit card debt. When I wrote the book, I was in low self-esteem. When I wrote the book, I was dealing with church hurt and feeling rejected and feeling picked on. So when God spoke to me about how to write the chapters of this book, I was in the midst of the storm myself. So it's funny that God would write, would, would inspire me to write about, to write stories about being, about hearing him in the storm when I was in one myself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that again. How in the world God inspired me to write about inspiring other people in the midst of a storm when I was in one myself? When I finished this book up, I didn't know how. I, I was paying my bills with credit cards. When I was writing this book, I was when I finished it, I was going through problems with people that edited the book, taking me through changes. I mean, it was in the midst of the storm 
that God gave me the book. Everything was not perfect. I didn't know whether I was coming or going. But God still birthed it, and it was like right after the book was birthed, it was like that's when God opened up that window and, and things start. To pick. Now I get to be on Butterfly Evolution. And, and I mean, you see what I'm saying? I, uh, somebody interviewed me for a radio show, and um, I mean, interviewed me in a magazine, and somebody read the article about the book that hadn't even came out yet and hired me for a job. Mm. I mean, so it shows you, but I had to push this baby out. I had to listen to God in the storm to get the book out. Every and story, they, every whisper. Go ahead, I'm and sorry. They keep faith. Keep you, and that's, as you talk, you know, I think about we have we walk by faith and not by sight because if, if we would be honest and in most cases, well, if people would be honest, I'll say that we all are either going through something or preparing to go through something. Life is always throwing something at us. So I think I remember one of the inserts uh, talking about life um, being the eye, or eyes or something like that. I believe it's the one that talks about the from within, everything's kind of within, and where he mm-hmm. referred to mm-hmm. life as a she. I think that's the one. I might mm-hmm. be wrong. But that just, as I hear you talk, uh, because most people will allow their circumstances and their situations to hinder even them, even even God's uh, purpose and passions and gifts. And we have to learn to work our way through the storm. I think the most important thing is to continue to work through the storms because I feel like God talks to all of us. I think those whispers, whispers if nothing else, reminding us of, of, of us of his grace and mercy and salvation and all of that. So, um Great, great comment there. But I want to go a little bit deeper because I was I was looking over. You you've had your share of uh, ups and downs, and as I as I read your the, the bio on the page, you know I saw where you had some some very um, you had people in your life. You had you had grandpa, you know you had grandmother, grandpa yeah. that really uh, really was a part of your life to the point where I saw read where you mentioned that. And I would like for you to share that part of your life, too, as well, because I think it's going to bless someone as to, to see how God can take any part of us, even the things that we can't forgive ourselves for or forget, if we would just surrender and, and like you did, work through that, work through. Because you said you heard the whispers at a time in your life where it was upside down. So share with us... Um, Number one, I, I read and was so intrigued by, I saw that you were kind of picked on or bullied, not really bullied, but just kind of picked on in school, and it made you feel a certain way. Fast forwarding, think you wanted to do some things, but just the presence of having uh, Mr. Sam, I think, right? Mr. Sam, your grandfather? Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. of having him in your life helped you to choose differently at that point. But coming to a point I saw where you, you actually lost your grandfather just just a little bit before, I guess you turned, or a little bit after you turned 22, and how right. difficult, because that will make some people shut down. Um, and it may have for you, right, you know, for that moment in time, but what was your turning point? I guess I want to get to what was your turning point in life um, that helped you kind of pick up the pieces and and if there was a turning point, did you get it right then? Did you know instantly that this is my turning point, or or did you kind of waddle in that for a minute and then picked up and moved moved on? That's a good question. The 
let me go back. If I if I had to look at the 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 role that my grandfather played, I mean, I was raised up to go to church. You know, in spite of um, the stuff I went through at school, um, being picked at and things of that nature, Grandma always made sure that we was in church on Sundays. So I had that foundation of that train the child up in the way that he should go. I had that, but I never knew who my my father was. But even though I didn't know who my biological father was and I didn't get to spend time with him, I had my mother and I had my grandfather and my grandmother, and they were that foundation for me. So anytime I wanted to go run to the streets and do little stupid stuff, I had that. I didn't want to put shame on my grandfather's name. I want to specify that. I didn't want to shame my grandfather's name. And so then you grow up, and then my grandfather dies when I'm like 22, and I beeline to the street because then there was no, I didn't feel like I was putting shame on nobody's name, even though grandma was still there. And she's the one to tell me how to pray. But I, I don't know what it was. I just didn't feel like I was putting shame on nobody's name anymore. And so I dealt out there in those streets, and I sold drugs in those streets, and I did a lot of dirt in those streets, and I lost my ability to walk in those streets. And not just in the streets, but it's funny because I lost my ability to walk and sold drugs right in front of the house that my grandfather and my grandmother raised me in and my mom. So the same house that I learned how to walk, you know, I took my first steps in front of that house. I rolled my big wheel in front of that house, and I laid out that dime July 1995 in front of that same house. So from there, I ended up in the wheelchair, and all I knew how to do was to sell drugs. So I come back from the hospital, and I end up doing the same thing over again, selling more drugs and and doing all of that stuff and and doing all of this crime still in wheelchair. But then something happened. It was one night I was at this hotel room with all my drug money and knew that the police was watching me, so I knew any matter, it would be any time I was going to go to prison. And, I, and, and my sister kept inviting me to go to church, and I kept rejecting. No, no, no. But eventually I went. And I remember being up at the altar that night. I felt led to go up there to the altar to sit there and, and hear them to pray over me, and they began to call out God's name. And in that moment, I felt it. That it didn't matter. I, I felt like I was trying to not shame the wrong name, that all this time I had been shaming God's name with the decisions that I was making, with the way I was living my life. And it was in that moment, in that moment, that I picked up those pieces. I realized that my choices in life that I was making had put me in complete opposition, not only with the love of God, but with the love that my grandfather and my grandmother and my mother and my sister and my brothers had been trying to give me, but I was so gone and thinking I knew everything and it was all about me. But in that moment, I picked up the piece of that God loves me and that if God loves me, then it doesn't matter what I've lost because he's able to restore and love me in the midst of my mess. I picked up the fact that it was important for me to be a son to my mother and a grandson to my grandmother and a brother to my brother and sisters and, and just a person to the world. And then I begin to pick up the piece on, I like to write. I like, I, I, I want to give back. But then guess what? I ended up going to prison anyway. They came and got me. 
I gave my life to God. I started going to church, but they came and got me in the drive-thru at a McDonald's and told me, you've been indicted. We've taken you to prison. I ended up spending two years in prison in the wheelchair. And But even in there, my love for God grew even stronger. It, it didn't... I didn't feel hindered. I felt even the more like I understood that you got to pay something. If you want to play the game, you got to pay something. And so I ended up getting out, going to college, getting married, having more kids, and having this beautiful life that I have right now. I'm writing this beautiful book and being on Butterfly Evolution right now. You know, I want to back up just a little bit because I, I, I heard everything okay. – I kind of got stuck because I really think this is really important and I want to bring it out. You mentioned okay. that um, you, at, when your grandfather was living, you there was something about not bringing shame to his name. And But right. your grandmother lived after that, correct? They lived for, for a little while mm-hmm. longer after that, your grandmother. Yeah, she did the 10 and, years, yeah. Okay. And and what I get out of that, because there's such, and I'm, I'm going to flip the script just a little bit, because I, but I feel like Go we ahead. can leave back because I want I want us to really focus and hear what you're saying because I feel there's such power in men um, being leaders and head of their families and their homes because because of his um, part in your life it left something on you at least while he was alive and around you felt accountable you felt that you would be accountable for any wrong or shame you brought to that family's name or him. Right. Because he right. had made apparently such a mark on your life as a man. Because I think when I read that, I thought, wow, you know, even though you you were thinking about it before because of the things that you just kind of, I read where you said you felt like, hey, life is, life is kind of messed up because of the teasing and so forth, kind of feeling unworthy, like you said, rejected and so forth. But still, and at, at that point, I think I read where you said you, you, you thought about the drugs before, but not you couldn't do it because you would bring shame to your, to your grandfather's name. And I just right, think that's so right. wonderful to have more men in that in that limelight of your grandfather, the power, what it would do to this world, to the other young men in this world, even to women. So I, when when you said that, it made me think about how much respect and honor you had for your grandfather. That just that alone would keep you from making the decision to sell drugs. Yeah, and I think it even goes deeper because I think it says in my bio too. If you read it, I wouldn't even go past the cemetery where he was buried, right. I felt like even if I'm selling dope, that I was unworthy to go put flowers on his grave because he would know what I was doing. I remember the day before when I mustered up enough nerve after I got out of prison, and, and, and I remember getting out the car, putting the wheelchair together, rolling over there to his grave, and I remember literally getting myself out of the wheelchair and sitting on the ground in front of his grave and bowing my head down and just weeping, apologizing to him for not only what I knew that I had done to him that would break his heart, but that I knew he would want me to take care of my grandmother and the miserable job that I had done at doing so because of the danger I put her in because of my actions and choices and his daughter and my sisters and brothers, and just life, period. You know, I apologized to him, you know, for doing that. And it was like after I got that chance to do that for him, I made sure that I made Grandma smile 
I made sure that I, you know, she saw, she was there when I gave my life to God. I remember her standing her little short self up and lifting her hands up to God and just crying, and it meant everything to me because I felt like in that moment she didn't just lift her hands for herself. She lifted her hands for him as well. And, yeah, he was that type of man that even now talking about him, I strive to be half the man he was. Mm. Wow. Okay, do you feel, um, based on what you've gone through, do you do you feel that you would be at this place? Do you feel like this book would have been would have been written had you not gone through uh, some of the things you've gone through and experienced those things to the degree or level that you have? Do you feel that you would be at this this place in your life where um, where you have a sense of peace and contentment? Do you feel that you would be here? No. When you no. said that, I thought. When you said that, I saw this in my mind. I saw a piece of bread, and it was they bless it, they break it, then they give it. I feel like God blessed me to even be alive, but my choices broke me. But I feel out of my brokenness he has been able to give me to the world through the book, through speaking engagements, and even Butterfly Evolution. I bet you if you look back, and even the listeners, I bet you if you all look back, that it's been those broken moments. That, that that God was able to use and, and, and give, you know, is blessed, broken, and given. Mm. So, so, no, without a shadow of a doubt, I know for a guaranteed fact that I would not be the man that God has blessed me to be if I had not gone through the things that I've gone through. No way. The book would okay. never have come out. I'd be dead somewhere in prison. Okay. Okay, and the, let's go back to the book, The Whispers. Um, the Whispers, do you, what what reason do you feel that most people, um, well, let me ask you this first. Do you feel that, that everybody has those whispers, maybe just not are able to tune into them? Do you think everybody experiences those wh- whispers at some point you, in time? You just said it. Yep. I know. Do you I think, think that? that <laughs> I, I think that, yeah, I think that God is always speaking. I think that. Okay. It's almost like I heard you say on another show, um, you know, um, we were talking about, you know, how people's ears are so tuned to what's going on in TV shows and what's going on in, in, in the world and what's going on, oh, I can't pay my bills. They're so tuned to the world that they forget that we were created spirit, soul, and body. You know, they forget the order, so they're more attracted to the thing. They pay more attention to the noise that comes from the flesh than the spirit. Because God is always speaking. You just got to tune in to hear it. Think about it. I remember, you know, if I might talk about myself for a minute, I remember um, being in the car before I ever got shot, before I ever lost my ability to walk, seeing seeing people in wheelchairs, asking me for change, sitting at red lights, or they were in nursing homes when I would go visit my grandmother, or they would never, I never saw nobody, you know, so I always associated people with a disability or something with somebody being sick. Now, here I am sitting up in a wheelchair, and I get in and I put my clothes on myself. I drive around in my truck by myself. And so, but if I had to listen and paid attention to what it looked like from a physical standpoint, and instead of hearing God say, no, you go, you take it, you go with it, you go, you live your life. You show them that there's another way, that it's not over. You show them that it's not over. I take the foolish things to confound the wise. Mm. Mm. Okay. So, no, God is always 
speaking. You just got to want to hear it. I guarantee right. you that somebody listened to this show, and thus far, something that has been said, whether it be by you or by me, that God has used to minister to somebody. He's always speaking. You just got to You just got to listen. Yes, 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 I agree. And, you know, we do have a call. I'm going to pull this call in in just a second. But as I was um, about two hours before the show, I was, I was looking at the title and just kind of putting it out there some more. And I saw this little, this little voice said, you know what, you should put, I have a question on Facebook that posted like this. I have a question. If I changed the title of this show to the things men whisper to us, how many, how many, how many more of you would listen? And Good I thought, no, I better not put that out there. <laughs> I thought maybe I should wait till the show starts because it might just tick some people off. But it just, and I, and I laughed because I thought, God, was that, that was that a whisper? <laughs> but just that. It was. That's what, I mean, <laughs> think about it. You don't even have to question it. That was a whisper. It's, that's true. <laughs> If you had to compare how many things that man has whispered compared to what God has whispered, this show would be freaking flooded. It would be mm-hmm. flooded because everybody want to know what he talking about. What man does say it? Mm-hmm. Especially because women. Have I, I would oppose it as a woman. The thing, the things men whisper to us, and I could, I could just imagine the number of women that would have turned football down tonight. Or whatever else, whatever show. <laughs> and it goes back to what you said, that we forget that this spirit, spirit first, and we feed the body and the things of the flesh. And then we wonder why we're broken and torn and we feel like we're without purpose. We don't know our gifts. We, we just feel lost because we are so detached from our natural state. And we're just lost, right. lost little creatures. So we have a caller, and I believe this is going to be from your area. So we're going to, um, we're pulling you in again. I'm going to provide the area code that you're calling from and the last four digits. We are pulling in a caller from 704 with the last four digits of 4476. Caller, you're on the air with us. Thank you for calling in. Thank you for having me. Hi, Tyler. Welcome. Maria. <laughs> hey, how are you? Um, I- I'm great. I'm great. I just wanted to call in and commend Titus for the work he's doing in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. He's such an inspiration to us, and I, I wanted to encourage him to continue to move in his gift and to know that he is impacting people left and right, and we may not always get to let him know the impact that he's having in terms of of the role model that he is, but I just wanted to call in and encourage him. I'm listening to the show. I'm enjoying it. I'm getting so much information out of it, so I just wanted to call in and commend him and and to continue to encourage him. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mrs. Marina. That means the world. You're welcome. Thank you so much, and thank you for – now. so do you have a copy of the book? I do not have a copy of the book, but I'm going to get my copy. Uh, Titus actually was with... Oh, um, well, guess with what? What? You do now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, the first caller to come in. So 
Hey, you do now, and and that just goes to show. Matter of fact, my son and I were talking at the Gundy King Youth Conference, and we had a young lady that she just stepped right up, and she just engaged in the conversation without waiting on anybody, and she got the first prize, and it was just like, oh, and he was saying, see, you guys, you have to get in. You have to, you know, put yourself out there and know who you are. So you just got yourself a book, and I'll yes. I'll. I'm gonna if it's okay, I'll write your number down and get your information and or Titus, do you do you have how to get I can get you the information and you can get her the book? Yeah, how, what's I can the do best? That. Okay. All right, and I'm gonna write your number down just in case anyway, is that okay? That's perfect. Thank you. Okay, thank you. I'll call <laughs> you, okay? Okay, I'm enjoying <laughs> the show so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. Wonderful, wonderful, and and that's what it's all about. That was wonderful. That was. She was so taken off guard, but that's that's <laughs> that's what it's about. Um, so I'm glad to be able to to bless. And she's a new listener, so she got in, and and so she's going to get a book. Um, yeah. So I'll take care of that with you. I wanted to go back to. There's a comment, and then I want to get into. Well, no, let's do this first. What is your favorite whisper from the book? If you I had to pick one, like that. <laughs> um, my favorite whisper would be ooh ah. If I had to pick a whisper, I don't know why. Um, why you do me like that? Maybe you got me thinking. Let me um, tell you mine. Go ahead, tell me I yours have, first. I have two, and for you, for the listeners, um, it's. There, there are several whispers. Is, is it 23? 20, is it 23? 23 whispers. 23 whispers, yeah. okay. Um, mm-hmm. And I, like I said, I had very, I had so much just, I had a hard time figuring out, okay, I don't want to give out the book, don't want to give every whisper away, but if I could have, I, I really could have tonight. But, of course, the one, the deathbed confrontation. And because okay. I think so many people leave this world, with with so much undone, with so many stones left unturned, with with so many gifts from God, so much power um, that they never tapped into, and so forth. So that one, of course, and that's one that you have after that one's really amazing to me, especially at the end where where the can I tell just a little bit about it? Or can yeah, you go ahead. tell? Well, can you tell a little bit about you that? Go ahead. I want to I want to hear you tell it. Okay. <laughs> Well, what really, really amazed me was at the very, well, all of it, but this is about someone who has learned that he is uh, no longer going to be a part of the world. He's he's actually dying. And he asked for some time um, alone. And as he is praying, um, well, thanking God and praying, correct, towards the end, he's thanking God and praying. He starts to see people, unfamiliar people around his bed. And each person represented something that he had not um, experienced, that he had the power to, had God had provided there. For for example, um, something like I represent the love or the hugs that people had for you but you would never receive. And the reason this, this one is so important to me or was one of my favorites is because so many things, for you, for example, for you, you could have, you could have just whizzled up and said, okay, this, it's really over now. I've lost, I've sold drugs, I went to jail, I lost my grandfather, I don't care anymore who I shame. You could have put yourself 
in this this era where you just gave up, where you just say, no, whatever, no more. I, I have nothing else to offer people or life. But here you are, and as you say, I'm, I am a portrait of one negative choice, right? I'm a portrait of one negative right. choice. But despite my past, you've over, I've overcome, risen and overcome. So it's like I feel so many people give up because they're so distracted to they can't even hear those whispers. Because I, as we said, I really feel like God whispers to us even more in, in, in the midst of the storms. I really feel like God creates some storms for me. I was sharing with someone yesterday, and, and everybody might not find this humorous, but I said I just feel like sometimes God just hits me in one eye so it closes up so I can at least see out of one to get my attention, sometimes <laughs> so much so. And really, because I feel he knows Tammy. He really knows me better than I know myself. So this mm. one was my favorite because I feel many of us, if, if, if we heard today, if someone came in and told us, you have three hours to live. What would you regret not doing? What mm. would you regret not adhering to? Because I, I really feel like a lot of them we hear. We may not be ready to respond or react or feel like we are worthy enough in God's eyes or and even our own eyes. So the whispers right. are but what whispers will, would, you know, that's a good question for our listeners. What whispers would you regret um, not uh, if if you were this man and and you got a chance to to see all the things that you missed out on because you allowed rejection, pain, disappointment, your circumstances, what it looked like to keep you down, to get you down, and to keep you down. So that one was my favorite. It made me question myself. You know what? There's a lot of things. It made me think. There's a lot of things you need to do. You need to even slow down a little bit. Enjoy some some things a little bit. Enjoy some more quiet time. It just makes you really think about what if this was me? What if I got this sentence that I have, you know, a few hours to live, just a few? You know the thing that the big I I wrote I wrote a poem one time, and I and I won't quote it, but what I won't say the whole thing. But what I focused on was I titled it Twenty Four Hours, and what I said was. In a nutshell, I said, one day we are all going to be in our final 24 hours. Mm. And I said, so what do you do when you, you know, what would you do? I said, what would Dr. King have done differently if he had knew that at the Moraine Hotel he was going to stay, that he was in his last 24 hours? What would he have said differently? What would Malcolm have done different if he knew that that day going into the Audubon Bottomman Room, that when he raised his hand and said, Assalamu alaikum, and and, and if somebody's going to say, get your hand in my pocket, and his kids and his wife was there, what would he have said or done differently? Would he have invited his wife to come? Would he have told him to come backstage before he went out? What would he have done different? And if we don't want to think about Malcolm or Martin or Trayvon Martin or, or whoever or my grandfather, then think about yourself because one day, like it or not, we're all going to be in our final 24 hours. We're going to be in them. What did Jesus do in his when he was, he knew he struggled a little bit the day before. He said, you know, God, if it's at all possible. You know, he said, let this thing pass. I'm about to be in my final 24. But he didn't, but what he heard was a nevertheless. In the midst of his going through, in the midst of his storm, he had a nevertheless. In the midst of his 24 hours, he said, God, forgive them. 
but they know not what they do. But that was his 24. What will we do in ours? Because we're going to get in them one day, like it or not. Mm. And that's just something to think about. Right, right. That's just something to think about. Right. Okay, well, have you thought about your favorite whisper yet? Any, any? My favorite whisper okay. is actually deathbed confrontation. Okay. <laughs> it is. It's, it's deathbed confrontation for the reasons you said. Um, um, somebody said once that do you what inspired that one was because somebody told me one time they said, do you know where the most potential is? And I was like, where? They said the cemetery. Mm, I've heard that. And when they said that, I'm a thinker, so I began to think, wow, the cure for cancer, the cure for AIDS, you know, all of this stuff is out in the cemetery because people never, ever tapped into it. They didn't live their life in a way or they didn't heed the call and they took it to the grave with them. Mm. So that's what inspired that whole thing, that comment of the most potential is in the cemetery. Right. Well, my second one, and I won't give much of this one away, but um, not without but within. Um, okay. And I like them because I feel like, again, many people fall into this category of looking by walking and living by sight, looking always looking what it looks like and looking outward, but I know yours was more about, this This whisper was more about looking for the answers outside in other people and things. And it talks about this speaker coming into this seminar, Just and, and I really thought it was going to go the way if he was just going to walk in and say the solution is within and walk out. That would have been really good. <laughs> but, you know, he goes into more detail about, what we're looking for, what we need is within us. And he talks about life being, I don't know exactly how you said it there, but life being, um, I guess, our lesson or something like life is always like, and I may be saying the wrong word, I can't remember exactly what that one was, but uh, life kind of being our teacher, maybe. Was that it in that right. one? it is. Life is a teacher, yep. Right. If And if we allow ourselves to, to be taught, but... Some of us, we get stuck. Again, I know I've been there, done that. Whatever, you get stuck into in your circumstances, again, in what it looks like. And, and that will make you miss the whispers. Maybe you hear them, but you think, I can't. I can't do that because you're looking at what it looks like, who I used to be, who I am maybe, and not right. on God. Because as you said, you, you got to a point in place where you, you realize it wasn't just your grandfather that you would be shaming. What about God, the creator, right. that was a higher right. source? Right. I mean, think about it. When you say that, it's just like David said in the Bible, God against you and you alone about sin. He didn't. He, he took it completely away from the physical realm, even though the, the physical act of what he did was you could see it. But then he turned and he looked towards God, his source. He understood. No, God, when I was doing these things, it was against you and you alone have I sinned. So he had that ability, like you're talking about, to understand that he let life teach him, okay, I know I did this. And even people say all the time when you look at David, David is a good example. He might have committed sin, but he never repeated anything because he would turn from that thing and go. It's like he would get the, he would let be taught by it and go on. Right, right. So it's like you said, allowing life to have that opportunity to be the life is the best teacher. And, and, and learn, I think it's about 
about it in this in this one as well. Um, let let your life teach you. Sometimes we get so, I love that part too, and I might have paraphrased that a little bit. I might not say exactly how you said it. That's what I got from that because of the test. He, he talked about um, cheating on a test, and, and, and because he cheated, uh, he, he, well, failed the test because it really was about your opinion. It should have been kind of a personal answer. Everybody should have had a right. different answer because, uh, it was a personal answer. There was no right or wrong answer, but because he had copied off someone's paper, he had the same answer. Mm. That's how the teacher mm. found out. I think so often we do that in life. We look out at people, what their lives look like, not knowing that they have to cut their grass just like you do, not knowing that there's some That's situations it. and things that they're going through that you you can't even imagine going through. So we look for answers in other people and things, and I think that's what that whisper mean, meant, meant to me, is you've got to look at your life and look within and find those answers from your teacher, which is your life and your thing. That's it. That's so, it. I'm going to just encourage our listeners to get in, ask some questions, but, but you know, if they don't, I have plenty because I'm going to learn from you if no one else does. I'm going to get mine and be ready to move <laughs> on the more. So I, I see that you work a lot with uh, you give back as our caller just called in and thank you for what you are doing in the community. So I have a question. It's kind of an all-around question. Um, and I, you work with youth, but seemingly from reading, you kind of do a lot of everything. So yes. I wanted to ask you, what what is your opinion of where we are today, starting with our youth, and then I'd like for you to kind of just give a, you know, comment about us as adults, women and men. As you as you go about your day and, and your way of working in the community, giving back and encountering, make, you know, with the, with the youth, what do you what do you see? What are you getting? Do you feel um, is there? Should we keep hope alive? I mean, I know we should, but for people who, who just say, you know what, I don't know why you guys are doing that, um, it's not going to make a difference. So, what are you seeing as you work with the youth, and what can we do better, in your opinion, as women, as men, as adults, so especially with men being being, you know, your grandpa Sam, that put those young men in such a way to where even if they want to do it, they can't because they they. They they think about the the shame that they will bring to someone before them. Okay. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, the thing that I see with the youth, let me put it like this: I've been talking to youth since 2009, and the first group of um, young people I ever talked to was in this neighborhood in Charlotte, um, and um, they were you know, lower income, the only reason why they came to the meeting is because they were told that they were going to eat, which really broke my heart, not because they didn't want to come and hear me speak. It was because, wow, they have nothing to eat at home. I mean, it was two-year-old kids, three-year-old kids, I mean, 10-year-old kids, teenage kids, babysitting the kids because the mama said, if y'all going to eat, y'all better go on up there and hear what this man talking about. And so when I saw that, that hurt. That hurt. Because I was trying to talk to them, but it's hard to talk to people when they're hungry. So, and, and, um, you know, they they heard the wisdom eventually, you know, of, of the power of choice. So I started thinking to myself, what in that first ever speaking engagement, 
oh, my God, what can we do to educate the parents on what they need to do? You know, like there's a there's a gap. Like what could we have done better to draw the family in and see what their issues are so that we can help the families so that the kids don't have to come to opportunities like this and just be able to eat. Then I started talking to people and kids in jail. That was a real eye-opener to, answer, to get to answer your question. All of these kids, males and female inmates, all teenagers ages 17 to 16, those are the age group I've been working with the last two years, males and females, how about all of them, I mean the majority of them, and I spoke to hundreds of them, all talk about mama. That's the only person that's at home is either mama or grandma, never daddy, never. I mean, out of the hundreds I've talked to, I'm being honest, probably two of them said daddy, but the majority of them say my mama. My mama's there for me. My, my grandma was there for me, and, and I don't know who my daddy is, and, and I look just I, like I my daddy. What about granddaddy? Did any of them... Because I think that's just as big as problem as well. Because yeah, great, you know, no, no, great. A no lot of them say my oh, granddaddy God. was my granddaddy was a drug dealer too, or my granddaddy was a was this and that, and my granddaddy in prison and my daddy. I mean, that's been the majority of it. A lot of them say that my daddy and my my daddy is in prison, or my granddaddy and my daddy is in prison. I mean, the majority of these kids. But they was giving their mama H-E double hockey sticks when they was out there on the street. They didn't respect mama. But now they're dealing with 20-year sentences and 15-year sentences, and, and their mama still come and see them, and they're like, oh, if I could just get out, I'd do the right thing. But it's like, what in the world? Like, what what is this when no fathers are in the home? Like, not, now, let me be clear. There are some fathers that are there. When I go speak to, like, kids at church, you see a lot of fathers there. But when they come to these kids that are locked up, it's like for some reason the fathers are not there. So I don't know what that is about that. But I do think this. I heard Cornell West say it, and I hope I'm not. I know you will snatch me back and make me answer it if I'm not answering the question the right way. Cornell West said this. He said, and I answer the question like this. He said that when that the mothers and the parents of the civil rights children, the parents of Dr. King and Malcolm, those parents taught them the importance of being great. They taught them the importance of education. They taught them about the importance of standing up for something. And they taught them the importance of being a man and being a woman and the importance of family and the importance of not just succeeding for yourself, but being succeeding, but succeeding, for the family and, 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 and for your race and, and being a man and a good person and a godly person. But then after Dr. King, then the, Dr. King's generation, the, the Cornell West said, start teaching about being successful. You know, the generation just said, be successful. You know, you, you go to school, you get you a job. Listen to the terminology. You go to school and you get you a job and you take care of your family. But that was not inclusive of the community. So that was kind of selfish. So now you have a lot of people that, as long as I go to college and, and I do good, I ain't going over there to talk to them boys over there in that neighborhood. I ain't going over there to talk to no kids about doing the right thing. They ought to do like I did, just go to school and do, do right and raise their family. That's what I did. That's what they need to do, just pull themselves up out of bootstraps 
and go on. So we've lost a generation, and we're losing generations of people that never understood what it was like to see the family sit down at the table and pray. See, the thing that I need to point out is my grandfather, if he was living now, he'd be like 100-something years old, way over 100-something years old. So guess what? I had the pleasure of being raised by a man that could have been was the same age like around Dr. King's father. He came from that generation. So my grandmother, my grandfather, my grandfather was born in 1905. So I was raised with those values of family and and and, and that you know you got to represent and 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 you got to do the right thing. So you have a. It's almost like we need to have parenting classes. <laughs> it's almost we need to be have events and show, radio shows that talk about our history and. And like on the other show you had with um, Mr. Collins, Anthony Collins, about you know reinforcing the fact that we we were once kings and queens. Mm. Nobody hears about that now. It, it, it's like you know, I'm this and I'm 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 I'm. But no, we as a people come from greatness. We're not taught that. You know, so you you, were, a, a big, you mentioned that they ahead, they are raised, that they are raised to go to school and 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 take care of their family. I. I think if we could take it a bit farther, now it's go to school and take care of yourself. You know, do That's you. That's know, and family, the family concept as a whole, my son and I were talking about that today. He was actually saying just what you just said, that it needs to go deeper. We need to start having some 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 meetings and classes for the entire family because there's such a loss and disconnect for that unity. And I feel it's so hard for people to get out in this world and um, with faith and trust because there's such a lack of faith and trust within the family. And so as you as you struggle with your family trying to fit in and, and, and just trying to um, feel love there, and if you realize, hey, if, if my brother, if my sister, if my dad, if my mother or my whatever, if I can't get it here, what makes, what, what makes me think, that I'm get I'm gonna get it out there. So it's like people are angry, so angry till they can know they hear a whisper from God. They can know that it's God and still feel so so unimportant or so without that power. Till I, I feel like God could just appear before them and say it, and they could look right and right at him and see it. So some of us will do nothing, even then. Mm. So. It is amazing. So, anything on that time? It is. You, okay. okay. I mean, when so, you when you just said that, I just thought about it. It it is amazing and it's sad, but still, I point my I had to point all my fingers at at at, the, at this time in the world we live in. But at the end of the day, guess what? When we look back at those parents and stuff, like you know, people like A. Philip Randolph and all of those people that were around in the civil rights era and even before, you know, we can take it all the way back to the doggone cotton fields. But it's just people that understood that, you know, that life meant something and that, you know, when you put it like this, the way I look at life right now is this. I've already, I already understand that one day I'm not going to be here. So I have to understand that every time I get an opportunity, I don't care if it's to talk to one kid, or a thousand kids, that I have to give it all. I have to pour out of my vessel. I have to 
give it all out. Ain't no need to be embarrassed. Just even on this show, I gotta give it all out. Give it out because one day, even if I'm not here, somebody can go through these archives and be blessed by it. Somebody could be, if it's a writing, if it's a painting, if it's a song that I'm gonna write, I gotta give it all out. Because one day I'm not gonna be able to be here and that's gonna be the legacy. My grandfather left a legacy of Boy, you you look a man or look a woman in their eyes when you talking to them. You tell them the truth. If you can't if you can't write it down on paper, telling them that that's your word, you give them a good firm handshake because your word is your bond. Your word you're bounded by your word, and so you look them in their eyes. And you square when you talk to God, you tell God how you feel, and and you sit there. Don't talking to God ain't just a conversation with you. You sit there after you talk and you listen and see if you hear anything. Something here migrate something to your mind. That's what I'm talking about. People just get down there, Lord, I thank you for waking me up this morning and going to butcher people this too long, go get in the car and go to work. What did God say? Yes, until the next morning, if, if then. You know, you made me think about, and, and caller, I see you're going to get you in just a second and we'll get ready to bring it to an end, but you made me think about another whisper, and, and this one was the young man who had said he was going to own his own uh, lawn business. You made me yeah, think about that. Yeah, yeah. You said that and, and the older guy out again, an older man, I was telling my son about that one today. I'm not going to give it out because I want people really, and not because he, he's on this show, because I tell y'all, I don't just have anybody on the show. When I And that doesn't mean I have to agree. Just because I bring everybody on now with, with Titus, I just so happen to love every part of his book. But <laughs> we'll bring people on because, and I was telling someone else this, I don't want to just have a show. I want to change lives. And, again, your life is your teacher. My life is my teacher. So when I bring someone on, he doesn't, this person or she does not have to just accommodate all of my life because I owe you as listeners as well. But I continue to say I was thinking I was going to be doing a show to help people. And God said, yep, that's what you think. But these topics, these subjects, are Tammy needed. God is whispering every time I do the show because I get something that helped me see myself more, see areas that I need to work on, grow in, and just put aside and stop holding on to baggage and bondage. I mean, so God is God is everywhere. Listen right. to those speakers. So we're gonna bring this caller in and if we don't have any more we'll go ahead and try to bring it up. We have a caller and this is Anthony. Hey, how you doing, Sammy? Hi, how are you? I'm great, I'm great. How you doing, Brother Titus? I'm doing good. How you doing, Anthony? Uh, I can't complain. I just wanted to quickly add, um, when we were talking about, you know, um, visions and, and dreams and going back and tracing back our history, you know, I, I'm real big on that. But like I didn't even mention to you earlier today, Tammy, off air, was that with my son, you know, we have to change the way of thinking, the way we was trained. Titus was right. We was trained pretty much. Um, no fault to our parents. Our parents did the best they could, but they, they were just, they told us what they thought was best. But we were trained to go out and get education and just get a job and be comfortable and content with that job and, and, and worry about self and, and do the best you can with that. But nowadays, I was even talking to my dad, and he agreed, you know, we're not going to have any more careers where we're going to be able to retire 30, 40, 50 years in. The system is not allowing that. They usually let you go right before retirement. And I'm seeing that my job right now where you've got the people that's been there 30, 40 years and they're cutting them off so they won't have to pay them full attention, from a full pension. So what we have to do now is create business. 
So like I was explaining to you earlier, my son is 18. He's in college now, but he's taking audio engineering because he wants to be a musician. So I'm telling him to understand how to do everything about music, how to write music, how to direct music, how to produce music, how to do the video editing. And then I'm also showing him how to go to the IRS and get his tax ID number. Explain these type of things to your kids. Pursue, help them pursue their dream of, of being great, of owning their own, because that is one of the only options that we have to really, truly change our community. Next to the spiritual thing, we have to also think about the financial and emotional and also the physical thing, keeping ourselves healthy. Mm. I, I, I agree totally, Anthony. Anything before I get started, anything on that, Titus, you want to give back? Look, Anthony said it. I ain't got nothing to add. I'm, I'm with, I, look, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to say this. You know, y'all guys have to shut me up. But I, I, I want to get in that love. We, we seem to be missing so much love. I think that our parents, um, and again, not, not, not picking on our parents, I think we wanted to, even me in some areas, I saw where I tried to give my son, even though I was, I didn't give a whole lot of unnecessary things, but I see some areas where I maybe have overstepped my boundaries and gave mm-hmm. a little bit too much here here or there or didn't let him kind of go through some things. We tried to, I feel like I tried to shelter and keep him from experiencing life. I guess letting mm-hmm. life teach him, uh, Titus, mm-hmm. letting life his teacher, so to speak, mm-hmm. within boundaries, of course. And somehow I feel we've missed out giving these kids love. It's like... That 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 hard kind of love as well. Like just because John down the street is doing it in this house, we don't do that. Create some boundaries. Mm-hmm. We try to hand everything over so that we can go and do what we wanted to do when we wanted to do it, and so forth. So number one, I think we missed out on giving just the basic basic thing of of love, respect, so they would respect us, honor us, honor their elders. Even down the street, they would honor their elders or the neighbors out of fear of what would happen when I get here. And that that's gone. That's like the, mm-hmm. again, we have young kids who can, can beat and rob an 80-year-old person, someone who could be their grandmother, be their grandfather. So we, we got a, a big gap to, to, to do there. And as far as business and things like that, support one another. I can't say enough while I have Anthony on here. He and, and Catherine, just the support and and we all do blog talk radio shows. And some people will say, well, you can't, don't do that. Don't help them because what what will happen to you? And I found just the opposite, thankful for it. Mm-hmm. But it's open hands, sharing. And so we have to do that. And then when people share, we need to receive and turn around and give. But we're so afraid of not getting that power and getting that success. And if you look at the world, it's showing us. It's going to come a time where you, the person you're going to have to know is the God Almighty. You're going to have to know somebody other than your job, your check, even the grocery store. You're going to have to – we are coming to a time where we're going to be forced in some areas. Yours might be different from mine, but we're going to be forced at some point in time. So we need to start helping these kids, these young people, first through love. And then we're – what do they like? What are their purpose? Everybody don't need to be the VP of of whatever. Every, and everybody's mm-hmm. not cut out for that. We need mechanics. We need musicians. We need everybody. And we're, we're just closing their lives up and taking God out at the same time. It's money. It's, it's mm-hmm. success. It's tattoos. It's cars. It's big houses. And, and the quickest way you can get it, outside of God, outside of your spiritual realm. So 
Boy, what what just happened here? Because we just got a lot of calls at nine oh three. A lot of people coming in to talk. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they maybe they say the show. Maybe they say the show just went off. You know, that's it's always a great thing. But now, I mean, you, you mentioned a lot of great points, though. I mean, love is definitely always one of the most important um, key factors in anything that you start. And, and also, you mentioned tough love because I'm, I've, I've allowed my son to experience that. And don't feel bad because I know I shelter my son a lot as well. But if he's at that crossroad where I had to show him that, you know, no one is going to be easy out here for him. So I, I took a lot of things that I used to do for him back. But, of course, I'm not going to let him fall on his face. You know, I'm, I'm giving him pointers. I'm showing him how to do this. And, and of course, when he called me and said, well, I need this, I need that, I'm right there for him. But I'm going to let him experience it. He's seeing now. He even come back to me and say, man, Dad, you're right. You know, they, they told me I couldn't get this job because I didn't have the exact printout of my Social Security card. I got to have an actual card. Or this just happened. Or this just happened. I see what you're talking about. So it's important to love and to show them the, the tough love of that because, you know, when they go out here in the real world, it's, it's mommy and daddy or grandpa and the aunties and sisters and brothers are not going to be around. It's going to be people that don't know them and who's not really going to care or have their best interests in hand. So that's a great point as well. Right, right. Well, thank you for, for again, your continued support. And, you know, you give out your information because I'd like for people to, to check your show out as well and, and if they can listen and get something from your area. So give out what days you air uh, maybe it'd be easier for you what days you are not on the air. <laughs> so in your information, like you're always. I know, right? <laughs> I know. Actually, we got a special show tomorrow, tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Central Time, talking about that Barney's and the Jay-Z controversy about uh, racial profiling. So if you can check that out on the Anthony and D. Fly show on Blog Talk Radio, I believe the call-in number is 347-326-9139. I really do will appreciate that. But our regular shows are every Sunday at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. And eventually, I believe sometime in December, we're going to have Titus, Titus on the show. So I'm looking forward to that, brother. Yes, sir. I'll be there. Great, All right. So great. y'all take it easy, And if you're not able to, to find uh, Anthony's show, um, give me a call, send me an email, and I'll make sure that, that you get it. It's on always on my Facebook page as well. So just if you can't find it, let, let me know as well. Okay. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you. Okay. Titus, do you have time for uh, two more calls? Yes, go for it. Okay. All right. This is our caller from 901 area code with the last four digits of 8714. Caller, you're on the air with us? Yes. Hello, Miss Tammy. And um, uh, hi. 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 How are you? I almost yeah, said your name, but... Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um... Well, um, I've I've been listening so far, and uh, totally agree with what's been said. And one thing that I want to add too, and I've been I've been noticing this as I've gotten older, even though I'm still young, that a lot of us uh, men we've been operating too long on a sexual energy or a sexual vibe, to where it's like we love to hop around and make babies and so forth. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having a child, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that, but it's like we, we've had this attitude for so long, for too long, to where we're just making babies, sleeping around and we just leave. And we just leave these uh these children um with uh a woman that we don't even fully know. 
and and I and I and I'm seeing how that type of that process and this process is really like leaving kids vulnerable and lonely. The the mother has to work, so they can't really nurture the child or the children the way they the way they're supposed to in a healthy environment. And in turn, like you like what was said earlier, these young people they turn they turn out to be something that we don't want them to be. But at the same time, we're not a number of us are not owning up the responsibility of taking care of that child. And what I mean about taking care of that child, I'm not talking about just solely paying child support and all of that. No, I'm talking about actually being there with the child. Because, like, for me, and I'm even speaking for myself, I mean, I've had women come to me and be like, you know, I want to I F you or something like that. And I was like, and sometimes uh, it, was, it was tempting, I ain't going to lie, but, I just had to say no because of the condition that our community is in. And so um, I think we we really have to, we really need to uh, think of bringing a life into this world as, as very important. And, and also the relationships that we have to one another are very important, and we should really look at each other as a community, as a, people call it family, um, I call it as a community, and we should look at each other as if we are each other, per se. So why would you if, you, if you have that approach, and that's something that I'm trying to practice, because why would I hurt myself? You know, why would I hurt you? It's like I'm hurting myself in some way. And that really makes you think deeply about your actions and having second thoughts or third thoughts about your actions, regardless how small or how big they are, especially when you're dealing with uh, – when you're dealing with people in the community, because we we have came to a point where it's just all about us. It's just all about me. It's just all about my so-called success, whatever we whatever we want to find success to be, in the definition that uh, that we've been given to to us uh, from other people. But uh, about success, but I mean, we really should look at each other as a community and stop running away from each other and stop trying to be scared of one another. You know, when we see uh, people that's dark skinned in the um, in the community or whatnot, or these young people who who may look thuggish, and I mean, again, I'm speaking for myself. I I include myself into this, and we really have to work on on um, on our thinking about how we view each other, and really do some deep critical thinking and be analytical as possible as to the whys and the how of how we got in this way and why we are this way. And if we and if we think that way and put our thinking thinking into action, then I believe we will be um, better off than we are now. Especially including with having our own businesses, supporting our own businesses, and really functioning healthily as a community. Not to say that we're going to be like so-called perfect and there's never going to be any more crime, but I mean it always starts with self, and 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 we have to start with ourselves to continue on that process. So that's that's what I wanted to say. So that's kind of, thank you, Colin. And that's kind of on the line, I guess, Titus, of where I asked the question about um, the youth and then what we could do, I guess, as men and women. Um, and I'll turn that over to you. And I just, I just will say quickly for me, I think as women and men, we should hold each other accountable. Uh, I heard one young man, well, 
well, kind of not so young, but he said that if he had friends and they weren't spending time with their children and they called and wanted to go out to the club and he knew that they weren't being a father, uh, he'd say, well, man, you know, why don't you get your kids and let's go take our kids somewhere and hang out. He would, he would just put it out there like that. And I think something like that, that small is a start. Just start holding each other accountable, women as well. We should be able to say what's needed because when we don't, we're starting a whole nother lifeline of bondage. And what I mean by that, we're, we're allowing kids to go through things that is going to cause, because their life is going to happen regardless. They're going to have life happening. But when we sit back and call ourselves uh, people of God and allow them to go through stuff that they should not have to go through, you know, when we send those parents back to their kids, and that that would be my suggestion, Titus. Yeah, I, I think that the, everything that what you just said and what he was saying, I totally agree with. And I think the issue has been what's wrong is that a lot of the kids and even adults, it's hard to give tell them. It's hard to tell them what to do. Sometimes we just have to show them. You know, you have to lead by, you know, the example. Like, you know, be the change that you want to see. So now, when I, you know, if I want to go in there and I'm talking to youth and I'm telling them the importance of not using curse words and and the dress right and all of this stuff, then guess what? I have to go in front of them, and they never can point their finger and say, "I heard Mr. They call him Mr. T. I never heard Mr. T cussing." You know, and when he looks at me, he tells me that, you know, that I need to be able to express myself in a different way, that when he sees me living that life in front of them, that's the best example. So it's easy to point the finger and say, girl, you need to quit having all them babies or you need to be a better mother, but do they see that? And it's like you talked about on another show, about how so much in the media, whether it's TV shows or music, all of this stuff, you know, we done went from, um, you know, respect, you know, the song respect back in the day to you already can imagine, take your clothes off and don't respect. The music is hollering, don't respect me now when back in the day it was R-E-S-P-C-T. You know, so even those types of things, it's like we got to bring those things back and, you know, in our with our own children and in our communities and keep doing it and feel like it's worth it. I feel like a, a lot of the reason why a lot of people are not doing any things is because they're it's easy to point and say the fire, there's a fire, but are you willing to go, go grab the hose and turn on the water and try to put the fire out? Mm. You need to you say know, that one again. It's either all a fire, but are you yep. willing to risk your life to turn on that water hose and to try to put that fire out? Maybe you might have to bust that door down to get them screaming people out, but you don't have a lot of people. Everybody crying fire, but we ain't got no fire. Or fire women. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you, Cody, as always, for your for your great comments and suggestions. Thank you for continuing to listen and support. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. And we'll take this one last call, and we'll get ready to close it. This is a call from the 650 area code, last four digits, 6149. Caller, you're on the air with us. Peace, Tammy. Peace, Titus. How are you tonight? We're good. How, How are you? Doing? Good. Uh, this is uh, Ramiel or Andre. Okay. Hey, Andre. Um, you I'm good. I'm good. You know, I was listening to the show, um, <clears throat> and first I want to, you know, commend commend you, brother, and uh, say that I'm really enjoying um, 
the message that you're putting out and the vibration that you're putting out this evening, I think is great and it's something that our people actually need. Um, uh, I'm really enjoying that. I wanted to make the point that, you know, one of the one of the things that um, I see going on with us is that we don't have a plan. And the, the world <clears throat> has a plan for your children. And your children are bombarded with that plan every wow. single day. And the world's plan for your children comes through the music. It comes through when you take them to grammar school. Uh, it comes through, comes through the television. It comes through the books. It comes through the media. And anyone who owns a business will tell you that every single business that's ever failed always has failed because of a lack of a proper plan. And when you talk to most of the people within our Asiatic community, you find that there's no plan when it comes to raising our families. And, and, and that's, this is the reason that our children are going to show because the parents, there is no plan. The plan is mm-hmm. to get married. The plan is to spend $15,000, $20,000 on a wedding. But there's no real plan for life. There's no education process that we're taking to have a plan. And so this is our children are suffering from our lack of our proper planning. The world has had a plan for the families for a long time. I think if you go back to the 60s, you see that the women were in the home uh, because they were the first teachers of the children. And so you had a different family basis you guys brought out earlier that uh, then you were taught about the family unit. But the baby boomer generation or the tail end of that generation did as you all brought out, start teaching about getting a job and being using the word more being independent, you know, teaching the Asiatic woman that um, she should do this and do that before she settles down to have a family teaching the Asiatic man that it's good to, for lack of a better term, sow his royal oaks with as many women as possible so that now that you have a... <clears throat> Uh, you've had choices. You know what, what you're missing before you settle down. You've got it all out of your system. That was the world's plan. And so now, in order for us to take back our communities, or we don't even have a community, in order for us to take back our hoods and turn them back into neighborhoods and communities, oh, wow. we have to have a plan. And the plan cannot be to just say, well, fathers, go back into your home." Because if you send a raggedy man back into the good home, the home becomes raggedy. Wow. So that's all I wanted to bring out, you know, and, um, um, you, know, before, you know, I don't want to, you know, put, keep the show going too long, but I just want to bring out the our problem is that we don't have a plan. The art of war teaches you that you study your enemy, but you also must study yourself. We always talk about being kings and queens, but we never talk about how we fail from kings and queens. You cannot have mm-hmm. the most dominant, the most wonderful society the world has ever seen because we had over 15,000 years without a war. We had no word for jail. We had no word for homeless. But what scholar is talking about why we fail? Because we will repeat that if we don't learn it. Wow. Wow. So wow. I won't hold you, Tammy. I'm, I'm looking forward to doing our show this Thursday. I don't know if you come. Yeah, I was going to let's put that out there because we'll be Anthony will be on again. Anthony was on last 
Monday? Was it last Monday? Monday? Yes, last Monday, I think it was, Anthony. We, we, you were on, on the Butterfly Evolution, I believe. But we'll be on again Thursday, and, and Anthony is, uh, let's talk about the word part two. Very, very informative, enlightening, um, more of what you just heard, and then some. So, listen, that's the start. You know, we got to continue to talk about things that are going to encourage you guys to think and, and, and learn from your, your life. But don't just learn. you got to do something. Receive something and turn around and give something back more than I love what you said about society is teaching our kids regardless. They, they, they have a plan for our kids, and we are right. saying, here you go. There, there you go. Right here, we're giving them over to you. So there has to be more. I've heard several people talk about, you know, that, that something needs to be done as far as parenting, and that was the very thing my son and I were sitting here talking about today, and I just texted him and said, you know, that, that's kind of confirmation there, but that's one of those whispers really, seriously, that not, we need to start deep. And, and let it go, let it go. So thank you, Andre. Thank you, thank you. Titus, anything for Andre? Thank you. I mean, he just whoa. <laughs> that, I mean that 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 I I mean that was it. It and it reminded me, and I'm so glad he called in and said what he said, Andre. I'm so glad you called in because I saw a documentary, and it was um, mm-hmm. and I won't be long winded. It was um, Harry Belafonte, and it was showing his life and talking about. You know, he was talking about how all he had done, you know, with Dr. King and his his, his work in the communities and in the community and the world and da 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 da. Then it showed him in the prisons now and doing stuff in the community now. And right before it ended, it showed him having uh, uh, just this thing in the community with all these famous people inviting the youth to see what the youth wanted to do and how he could help the youth, right? And so. In the end, Ruby D stepped up and said exactly what you said. She said, for years, we've been having these meetings with, when it was Malcolm and Dr. King, and, and we were having these meetings. She said, and here we are in our 80s and 70s, still having these meetings sure, for a whole other generation of kids. She said, but we always leave here with what you said, Andre, without a plan. She said, give me a plan. Give me something that we can implement in the community. Get, let's just not meet and talk. Let's right. have something to do, some, some marching orders to go mm-hmm. out here and make this thing happen. So when you said it, I think that's so, and you said the, the world already has a plan. Yeah, y'all go ahead and wear your pants low. We're going to lock you up because guess what? I see kids every Wednesday and Thursday, hundreds of kids, that the world, they, they went for the world's plan, and they locked mm-hmm. up. Yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's a huge difference I mean, between. I'm sorry, brother. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say that's a huge difference between knowledge and empowerment. Wow. We've been stuck on giving out knowledge. And we have not given any of these children any type of empowerment. I actually have to go up to, I've been honored uh, to be invited to, uh, to come speak with children at this school. Uh, this coming up Wednesday, and they want me to speak on uh, what is it? Loving your reflection in the mirror, mm-hmm. and self yeah, self respect and loving your you know your reflection in the mirror. But one of the first things I'll ask them 
for the children to do is each one of them stand up, tell me you're a genius. Tell me what you're good at. Do you recognize what you're good at? Because that's where their empowerment comes in. We can sit here all day talking about, you know, uh, the greatness of our ancestors, but we're not great right now. We can keep having that conversation Mm -hmm. over and over again. But just as you said, if we do not stop telling these children, I think it was was Anthony, uh, Brother Collins, to call in. He said that, you know, we don't stop telling these children to go out and keep begging the job gods to hire them. We we don't continue to be lost. Right. We have to we have to teach a different economic structure that that deals with their genius. Each child is a genius, but we got to figure out where their genius is at, and that's what's called empowerment. Well, I mm. empower you by by giving you a way to empower yourself. Not knowledge. Knowledge is great, but it has to be something that's beneficial for them that they can use right when they get off the phone right when you leave the stage, to go out and use it to benefit them. And we're not doing that. We're stuck in rhetoric. Just as you said, Ruby D. said, we're stuck there. Right. Wow. And, you know, Andre, uh, in closing, I, I feel that the kids are really hungry for someone with a plan, someone to say, you know, I see this plan, I'm going here because everybody else is going, it's the way to go now, that's all I see, it's all I know, it's all the only way I'm being pushed. But I can tell you after speaking with, and that was, thank God, my first event such as that, and it was powerful, those kids were hungry for information, hungry mm-hmm. for something to latch on somebody to latch on, somebody to say, hey, my brother, hey, my sister, there is a different way. And and let me show you a few choices. They are hungry mm-hmm. for it. Like you're saying, Titus, we, we meet, but what is what are we giving them? You know, we meet, but what's the plan? So I, I commend you for even stepping out. And I just feel like everybody has something to give. Everybody hears whispers. And some things don't even need to be whispered anymore. Some things you've heard over and over, and some, if you're in your word or whatever it is for you, it's already confirmed there. It's, some, it's just time to do. Find out right. your past. Right. I know for the kids, we asked them, uh, what do the, we, we started out telling what we stood for, and then we asked them. Everybody had to go around and say, okay, who are you basically? What do you stand for? Get them to thinking about, who, who, yeah, who am I? What do I stand for? Some of them never been asked that question, have no clue. So, great show, great show. Anything, anything, Titus, anything, Andre? I, I no, mean, but, go ahead, Andre. <laughs> I, I was just going to say that I, I was just really, I enjoyed listening to what you had to say, brother. I, I, I really did. Um, uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate you, man, for calling in. Now you got me all hyped up. <laughs> I mean, and let me say this this um, to Andre and to you, um, Tammy, because if you think about it, you talked about people waiting on a plan. Think about it. When, when, when we look back to the 60s again, and you see when Malcolm came on the scene and A. Philip Randolph and Malcolm and Martin and all of them, they came with a plan, and it moved the people. Marcus Garvey, they came with a plan, and it moved the people and rallied the people. But the sad part is, you know, and maybe y'all can talk about it on another show, the sad part is what the world did, said to us as a people was, okay, if y'all come, if somebody come with a plan, we're going to kill them. 
and we're going to lock them up, put them in jail. So you stay in your place and just let us give the people the plan. You don't do that because we kill people with plans. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the answer is the plan works. Malcolm proved yeah. it. Martin proved it. Marcus Garvey proved it. Harriet Tubman proved it. I mean, it's been proven. So I, I'm going to shut up, okay? <laughs> but Ed, I just got me hyped. That's another show. That's a good one. That's good there. That's good stuff. That's good yeah, stuff. Yeah. And, and, and as, um, as we all see, as we see, like you said, they, they had plans. I think one of the, the last things that I'll, I'll bring out in, in just speaking about their plan is that as a people, I'm just talking about as a people as, as a whole for us, we tend to come with a plan that has only a few steps. We're dealing with mm. the people who our condition right now is on purpose. So everything that we see happening is done on purpose, okay? So it's done within the plan of purpose that they have for us. Well, when you go back to the Civil Rights Movement, when you go back to the Million Man March, when you go back and, and Brother Malcolm, I exclude him because he, he got cut short so early. Uh, right. But even when you go back to Brother, uh, the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey, when you go back to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, we're dealing with people who have uh, a 1,000-step plan. They have a plan that goes from now until 2080. You cannot, you cannot be a people trying to combat that with a plan that only goes to 2016. Wow, because, right, right, because right. Because they already have plans to counteract your plan, and this is what's happened with us with the Civil Rights Movement. And the Civil Rights Movement, prior to that, we had over 20 million acres of land, 20 million. You go back to the 20s and 30s, we had a communities, and I won't go into, into that, but because of our plan of civil rights, which was a short-sighted plan because this was new to us, this type of planning, because we didn't understand COINTELPRO and all this. So they had, a, they had a plan already because they know who we are. We don't know who we are, but they do. So they know that we were coming with this plan. And they, they was already standing around waiting for us to come with this plan and knew how to counteract it. Oh, yeah, come with the civil rights movement. Okay, fine. We'll let you go into our schools, but now we're going to miseducate your children. You wanted to come to our schools and leave your schools when your children were being taught by people who look just like them. Well, come on over to mm-hmm. our schools. That's cool. Now your children are going to be taught by people who look like your enemy. Or I shouldn't I want to use wow. the term your enemy, people who oppressed you. Your children are taught by those people now, their children, who have no reason no reason to teach your children about their greatness. They don't have a reason to. And we as fools keep waiting for them. Why don't they put this? Why don't they teach about Africa? Why would they? They have no reason to. So that has to be our plan is to take that education system back because that's our job. That's not not your oppressor's job to uplift you. That's asinine in the thought process. And that's part of our Mm -hmm. issue. We're waiting for our oppressor to uplift us. So we give them the power to suppress and the power to uplift. Wow. That's, that's, that's great. You know, and, and, and um, that reminds me of, and we're going to be talking about this 
coming soon on Hidden Agenda uh, in Plain Sight Part 2 as well, talking about things that are so-called hidden, uh, such as No Child Left Behind. And as you talk about the school system, because I, you know, as I dig deeper into that No Child Left Behind, it's so much yeah, more to say. it's horrible. Right. So we're going to be talking about things like that as well. But, Andrea, I think you hit it on there. We are waiting for people to teach our children things that we're not doing at home, you know, that we're not even, we don't have a concern, a show that we have a concern for at home. You know, we, right. we where's our values and morals and things like that before we can start teaching about someone before us. Our kids really don't see it in us. They don't see it through us, in us. They go to school, they don't see it. So it starts with us. It starts with to, to, to promote the book again, it starts with the whispers, the teachings from your life. It's time to listen to those because we all, we all can do this together, but we all bring different things to the table. And until we get to a point where we're able to see the vision on the table and everybody is ready to come up with that plan together and go out and take their plan accordingly, their piece of that plan, and make it work because we gotta we gotta come together, but we gotta split to do what we gotta do because there's so okay. much to be done. But do it under the same vision and the same plan for the better of the people. You, your mm-hmm. home, just things like we become hopeless, and so things like this, shows like this. Look at if you go back. I mean, Titus, I could just just imagine just being able to sit as, in your shoes and look back and then fast forward to the mass of people that you will touch and you will reach. How somebody said, somebody gave, somebody probably gave up on you a long time ago, but you're here. Oh, yeah. In spite of everything, you're here. And what you say? You were one, um, what is it, one? Uh, A reflection what, what of one negative choice. The portrait of one negative choice. Right. You know, here you are, but you, but you're, you still, you are a portrait. You didn't choose to become that wall that holds that portrait. Somebody else's portrait. So, great show. Um, any last words for us, Titus? No, I'm just hyped up, and I'm just, I'm, I'm in the show. Really, it really blessed me, and I just thank God for the opportunity. Um, I, I can give out my information if anybody's looking for want to contact me. Can I do that? Please, please. Yes, they can find me on Facebook at Author Titus Broom, on Instagram at Author Titus B twenty four, on Twitter at Titus Broom, LinkedIn Titus Broom. If they are interested in getting me for any events like speaking engagements or anything like that, they can go to my website at www.titus speaks.org or they can call me at 704-565-9239 and thank you so much. Do that number one more time. You're going so fast. Do that number one more time. Oh, Lord. Okay. (laughs) 704-565-9239 and I blame Anthony, I mean Andre because he got me hyped up. (laughs) And being the brother that he is, he's going to (laughs) receive. Thank you, Andre, again for as always. And and you guys forget that we'll be on with Anthony. Anthony will be on with us on Thursday, uh, this Thursday at seven. But the time is changed, seven o'clock. But it's already posted out there, and I'll continue to promote it. 
um, and now the book, Titus, they're able to order the book off of, offline as well? Where yeah, they can find the book. It's, it's on um, it's on Amazon.com, or they can go to the web address I gave out, www.titusspeaks.org, and get it there, and it's on available on Kindle and um, hard copy, um, again, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Book the Million, and all that good stuff, and it's just $10 and $3 on Kindle. Okay. Okay, and that's, tell them the title again. The Things God Whispered to Me. So there you go. There you go. Well, all right, Titus, I can't thank you enough. Um, I so enjoyed it. And, again, the the book is just it's awesome, and it's one of those ones that you can continuously pick up and be inspired to do better and to know yourself a little bit better and not wait till you at that that hour, those last hours of your life with regret. So I thank you for writing it. I thank you for just coming through and pushing forward in spite of, um, and, again, I just really thank you that you're not the wall that's holding the portrait, that you are the portrait um, on that wall and you didn't let life, life's teachings uh, dictate life. You made life for yourself. So thank you. That's part of transformation, part of butterfly evolution concept and baby. So I just thank you. Um, looking forward to the next book so that I can have you back. Maybe we can have you back on talking about, again, since we kind of got going towards uh, young people, women and men and families. There's a lot, you know, a lot to be said there. And even your book took us there. So it's so many things that, again, it opens doors for because whispers can change a life. If we give in to those whispers, if we listen and be obedient as you did, you are changing lives. So it just takes one, for you to listen to one whisper. God can give you one whisper that will change the course of your life if you don't focus on what it looks like. Because had Titus focused on what it looked like, we wouldn't be here tonight. None of this would have come out tonight. So it's some, it takes work on our part as well. So thank you for the work that you were able to put in and not just sit back and wait on God to 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 put it out for you uh, a full meal. So thank you for just for listening and being obedient. So you have to give yourself some credit for that. Thank you, so, and thank you. Thank the Butterfly Evolution family. Thank you all. Thank you. And, and Andre, I think you're still out there again. Thank you, and I'll see you on Thursday, okay? All right. Peace. All right. Thanks, peace. everyone, for listening, and, and do tune in Thursday at 7 o'clock. Remember, the time is different. 7 o'clock, and that is, uh, let's talk about the word. That is part two. If you missed part one and you want to catch up, you can go back and listen to the archived show. It's out on the site. So be sure you check that out before we do part two. And, again, that is Thursday night. Everyone, thank you again. Have a wonderful night.
I'm coming back on. I see I have a few more people. I want to really dedicate this song to one of my favorite cousins. So I'm going to start it over just for her. Diane, I see you out there. Thank you for listening and being a faithful listener. So my cousin Diane, I love you and thank you. And I'm starting it over just for you. But I know 